Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend this hour with us. So I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and empower people, especially adults, to own their voice that come in so many different forms. So this space was created to talk with people with all different jobs, hobbies, and interests, and have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to talk to musicians, Reiki masters, mediums, doctor, lawyer, real estate agents, and so many more. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as their soul's essence, courage, imagination, basically all that we are and wanna be. So sharing these stories expands one's thinking and opens up self-expression to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Dr. Patricia Suggs. She is CEO of Arise Business Consulting and CEO of PKS, excuse me, Publishing. She is an international speaker, international best-selling author, and creator of Arise, Reaching Your Next Level. Dr. Suggs helps professional women bypass the system and get promoted. Dr. Patricia, welcome to this space. Hey, how are you? I am good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Yeah. So I am so happy that you're here. And when I was looking back on our notes from our um, pre-chat, one thing that you said in there that stands out to me is that you do not like boredom. No. <laughs> so <laughs> I read, in what I read about you, that is the smallest little sliver, sliver of who you are and what you've done. So I can't wait to dive in and find out for everybody to hear more about you. So can we start by just giving them a little bit more information about who you are, please? Yeah. Um, well, I am, uh, let's see, where to start. I am an, an ordained minister, retired, and I am a coach, a certified coach and certified in dealing in conflict and resolution. Um, also a healing touch practitioner. And I also was, have a PhD in gerontology. So I, and I worked with a Wake, Wake Forest, it'll come out in a minute, Wake Forest um, University School <laughs> of Medicine. And I was an associate professor there for several years. So I've yeah. done a lot of little, yeah, a lot of different things. But not for short periods of time. Like you were the associate professor at the medical school for like 17 years, weren't you? That's true. That's true. Yeah. So that, that's not like a short, like, oh, we'll do that for a few months. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we'll do it for 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that I've been working at, um, as a, one of my many jobs, but um, being an art teacher at a Hebrew school, 
that oh. I've been, I mean, I've been doing it forever. And when I put a number on it, one of my friends is like, oh, you know, what are you, what are you doing there? I'm like, I've been teaching there for 19 years. I'm like, 19 years? How the hell did that happen? <laughs> yeah, I understand what you mean. <laughs> like, wow. Really? But it's... <laughs> My my daughter is like my benchmark for everything because I was pregnant with her when I was teaching there and she's going to be 19 this year. So oh, there wow. we go. <laughs> That's right. Well, I used my son too. As a, he was five when I got my doctorate. Um, he's now 41. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because, no. yeah, but actually it makes sense, right? Because our body is, it's these pivotal points in our life. And especially when, you know, having a child, it, it's just, it, it, it serves as like a reminder for that time of whatever's yeah, going on in your life. Yeah, that's really true. I'll, yeah, I was, because whenever I go back, if I'm looking at years, I always go back to his age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. what his age was, and then I can calculate back easier. Yeah, they definitely are a milestone. That's the word milestone. It wasn't jumping into my head. <laughs> and our son, you know, is so grateful. He was born on like such an easy year to always remember how old he is. Like he was born in 2000. So how simple is that? Oh, that's easy. You know? yeah. It's so easy. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Ours was at least he was in an even like he was 1980. The beginning okay. of the 80. So that, that's easy to remember, too. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those times. Oh, me too. Right? <laughs> okay, so here we go. So we're going to do our would you rather question, and then we'll dive into the questions, the official okay. questions. So, okay, you can feel free to put your own spin on this too. I'm just saying as a precursor. Okay, would you rather be the absolute best at something that no one takes seriously or average at something that people consider to be well-respected? Ooh. Hmm. I think the first one. So be the best at something that no one takes seriously? Yeah, to help them take it seriously. <laughs> there we go. That's a very good response to that. Yeah. Because when I initially saw that, I just felt like it resonated for you. But then I was thinking, well, to hell with them. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> you took a much more positive twist. I did. <laughs> As to help them see yeah. the light. Yeah, trying to be nice. But yeah. <laughs> and it fits really well with when I started um, ministry. It was back in the late 70s. And it was, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things people just didn't think about women at all in those, those fields, that, that one especially. They just, right. and they didn't take it seriously. So, but having their pastor be a woman was a real, yeah, they had to take that one seriously. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, the clarity on that. So if it were a man in that position, it felt much more official within the ministry, but you, um, a woman in that role, they didn't take you as like the leader. Not always. No, they, um, you know, for the, I, and we were, my husband, and I, he's a minister too. And we were both in the, we went to the mountains in North Carolina. And so, um, they had never, and well, in the cities didn't either. they had never really had a woman, a female minister before. And so that was really different. 
for them, very different. And some didn't think we should be there. I mean, I had, there was a, a Baptist minister, or he was more of independent, I guess. And he preached against petticoats in the pulpit before I got there. Um, yeah, so it was that kind of mentality. And the, and the thing is, they didn't really hide it very Back then, they didn't hide the discrimination. I mean, it was just out there. Right, right. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> this, this is how we feel. This is what we think. And this is That's the way right. it should be. And That's right. And you shouldn't be here. So it's fine. So then actually, now that we're on this topic, so when do you think that it started to make a pivot? Golly, let's see. Well, I I left there in 80, probably in the, um, it was getting better, probably mid to late 80s. I mean, it was starting to. Um, more and more women were coming into the ministry. I mean, I, I think there were maybe 10 of us in our conference. We're Methodists, and there were like 1,200 ministers. And we set, all could sit around one little round table. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. And they started, it started growing really fast in the 90s, but it was increasing pretty good um, in the late 80s, mid to late 80s. Yeah. Wow, Patricia, you go. You led a movement. It really felt like a movement. <laughs> it really was. Um, and it was interesting because the church, I, that church, actually, after I left, they had, they've had several females. Um, so, it, you know, it was, I felt good about that. I mean, at least I didn't scare them off <laughs> to where they didn't want another woman. Um, and that, I mean, and that's really tough because, for even now, there are issues with with some churches, um, no matter what denomination. So e- even now, people still struggle. There are those little pockets of people within mainline denominations too that um, struggle with it, you know. And they, it's like it's okay, maybe for us to preach, but they don't think we really have a lot of savvy when it comes to leading meetings, you know, heading up our boards or dealing with budget kind of things. I think that still exists mm-hmm. to a, not a large, not as much as it did, but I still think it's there. I mean, it, you know, it just shows my age too. When I was there, um, we have what they call the book of discipline. It's our polity or our, our policy. I call it, it's our politics, but it's the rules mm-hmm. for our denomination. And they didn't even have, um, maternity leave in there. I mean, they had no concept of giving a person maternity leave. And so when I got pregnant there, uh, which was another first for them, um, it was really tough because they weren't sure I should get maternity leave, which means, you know, <laughs> yeah, you could take off, but we're not sure we want to pay you. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it, I mean, I was able to finally get, after a lot of conversation, I got six weeks. Okay. But of course, you don't even, you didn't even mention paternity leave. I mean, that was unheard of. But you were truly, I mean, you were truly leading a movement and setting the, setting the stage uh, because what people don't know, people don't know when it hasn't been introduced to them, when it hasn't been put into their way of thinking, put into their world, then they don't have to consider it. But you like opened up their thinking and that's not an easy place to be. So go you. Yeah, I mean, it, it really wasn't. And I think, 
you know, it was good. I mean, I learned a lot and it wasn't, I mean, I had, I didn't have, some had more, had more difficult experiences than I did. I mean, I had some issues, um, but I was fortunate. I mean, I felt like, eh, all in all, it wasn't off. It wasn't what I would consider a bad experience at all. It, I grew a lot. They grew a lot. I mean, shoot, I came out and I was only 25. So, you know, even having, I mean, having a, a recent graduate from seminary, that's, mm-hmm. you know, they, the churches kind of help you grow. And that one did, you know, in, in a lot of good ways. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to diving in because obviously you have the mindset too, because people could take that in so many different ways, those experiences, um, how people translate their experiences into the way that they want to see it, either victim or moving forward or, but you obviously see it as a growing experience, which is all of what we're talking about of, you know, reaching your next level. You've always been in that mindset. Right. Right. I really have. I just never have. And, and if it was something, if it was a challenge, I always liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was something I worked for. I never, ever considered, um, I should, or should I really be doing this? I mean, I felt I was called to ministry. So I, that I was going to do it. Yeah. So no second guessing. You were like, bring it on. Yeah, just bring it on. <laughs> we're going to figure this out. We'll grow together or not, but or I'm not, not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're stuck. you're stuck with me. That's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I want to welcome the people here with us live. Thank you so much for being here. Um, any questions or comments, please feel free to put them in the chat. And you can be part of the conversation in that space. So thank you. Okay. So Patricia, the first official question is, how do you define creativity? Gosh, for me, creativity is, um, years ago, I, I would have answered that probably. Cre- oh, wait, hold on. You just cut or, out. You know, I mean, it's very narrow, but for me now it's, Wait, wait, wait. Oh, Patricia, hold on. I'm sorry. You keep cutting out. Oh, I'm sorry. And I missed what you said. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. You said um, you got cut off at the part where you said years ago you would have thought this and then all of a sudden you went away. Oh, that's not good. Um, Yeah. Years ago, I would have thought narrowly. Um, I would have defined creativity in a much narrower sense Mm -hmm. and would have said I'm probably not creative because I thought of it as artists and musicians and sculptors and writers, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But now um, at this stage, I'm seeing, I, you know, I believe I do have creativity and that it takes creativity to succeed anywhere. And for me, it's just when you see something um, in a new way, um, it can be something that people have defined one way and you're seeing a new way of defining it. Um, and a new way of dealing with things and dealing with issues, you know, and I think that's one thing I really had to do a lot of in the church is because they were so used to men doing the leading and doing all of that, that I led, I led differently than the men did just by virtue of the fact I was a woman. And so for me, that was being creative. So creative for me is, you know, just going going on my own journey, going on my path and being creative and how I succeed with it. I love it. And 
Yes, thank you so much for taking it to this approach. And th this is the whole reason we're having these conversations because the 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 definition of creativity is seen by the masses in that way. It's changing yeah. more so now, but it's so often seen as, you know, yeah, you're a visual artist, you're a dancer, you're music or something yeah. within those narrower terms. But by having these conversations, the whole point is to expand this definition and allow people to see themselves in it because every person, just like you said, seeing things in a new way. Right. To basically, I see it as problem solving. Like it's that's a portion of it. When you brought up the example, which we spoke about earlier, of of being a woman in a space where women usually were not, you're on a journey to find ways to reach them. Right. To, to connect, because I mean, it's about connection, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and developing those relationships. Yeah. Um, and once you can do that, that's when their minds, not only their hearts, but their minds begin to open. Yeah. Because you can't come at people. No. Right. I mean, because no. if, you, if you were standing up there and you're being like, I'm a woman, listen to me. I know better than you. <laughs> da, 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 da. They'd be like, shut up. Don't oh. want to hear you. Blah, 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 blah. Or watch yeah, and, I would, and I would probably be. On the next bus out. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I would not have gone well. In fact, I remember the advice the bishop of our denomination gave at that time. Um, and, and he was male, which I thought was fascinating because he was he was very creative. And he said, you know, as females, don't go into the go into your churches as I'm a woman first. You know, I mean, I'm a woman. And by golly. <laughs> You know, you're going to listen to it like you were just saying, but go in as their pastor and go in as their minister and who happens to be a woman. And that concept really helped me define how, define how I wanted to look at, at ministry, that I was their minister, that my sex shouldn't have anything. That shouldn't be their major stumbling block. Mm, I love they that. Should, they should see me as their pastor. Yeah. Yeah. I so like I can very much relate to that in the classroom. So being an art teacher for all the years I have been and um, being in a space where people didn't always necessarily want to be, oh. <laughs> it could, they may yeah. have had to fulfill it to just get a credit, you know, in high school and, and um, middle school, you know, they start to get weirder you know about it and <laughs> and elementary school they're like yay art not everybody but anyway but when you're facing those situations it's kind of like okay i don't want you to look at me as this is just the art room and the art teacher i want to meet you where you are yeah, yeah and i'm and i'm listening to you i'm listening to what interests you i may not always hit it right the nail on the head all the time. We may not always be able to do what you want to do. There's going to be some exploration in there that could be uncomfortable that you're not so thrilled on, but I'm going to try and meet you where you are. So then you can explore in a way that makes you feel more, less uncomfortable for a shorter period of time. Yeah. Oh yeah. See that may, Oh, I love that. That makes a lot of sense. It's, you know, I think there was a song one time, uh, a guy that it was like a, he's a, Type, type of folk singer, but he sang about um, teachers who required their students to color within the lines yeah, and didn't encourage them to just color the way they wanted to. 
Yes. Yeah. And that's so important. So, so, so important because you have to give people a sense of um, explore their imagination, realize they have an imagination because that's what happens as adults. Like even it's a shame because you start to see it as teens, like they start to lose it. It's like, or just kind of, it just gets lost for just a period of time if it's not nurtured. Um, the imagination and the problem solving and the idea that you, that you're going to make mistakes and you can make mistakes. Imperfection is going to take you to the next level because you're going to realize the contrast of the things that are working and are not working and what needs to be changed. And that's the only way you can figure things out. You have to be able to figure it out when it doesn't work to try something else. Yeah. So I want to talk more about your journey in, in, all of this. So you started out in the church really young and then you got a second master's and this PhD in social gerontology. Like tell us about this. Um, Well, as I, when I finished in that, I was three years, I was, we were there in the mountains for three years. And so just had our son um, in February and we left in June. And so I was thinking in terms of, you know, do I want another appointment, which in the Methodist church, you know, they appoint you to churches or do I want to go back to school? Cause I always had in mind that I'd go back to school. I loved learning and loved school and especially college and the university. So we began, my husband thought he wanted to go back and get an EDD, you know, director, I mean, an educational doctorate uh, in counseling. And then decided he didn't want to. So we switched. And so I told them, I just wanted, I wanted to go back to school. So they gave me a student appointment and then he took an appointment at a church. Um, And I decided I wanted to do that. The original thought was that I was going to do something in um, family relations, child development, family relations, the whole human development. And that I would, take that and hopefully use it in the area of family ministry and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as I got into it and really started working uh, towards, got almost to my master's, the completion of the second master's, I um, met with a woman who who turned out to be my PhD mentor, and she was a a gerontologist. And I was fascinated by that because I've always loved being around and working with older adults. And I loved the whole area. And I thought, yeah, this could be really good because the church definitely needs, I mean, most of the churches are predominantly, a lot of them are predominantly older adults Mm -hmm. and especially the smaller ones. And so I ended up going to that area and thought I would be doing that within churches, but churches didn't really have, still don't. Um, They didn't, provide for that kind of position where you would work solely with their older adults. And so I thought, well, I could try some other things. And that's when I ended up uh, applying to the medical center and to the medical school because they, they were relatively new in their geriatrics program. And what I ended up being hired to do was I worked a lot in training and development. So I would develop curriculum and work. I would train and also bring in trainers to help health providers, nurse, mainly nurses, some physicians, but mainly nurses and CNAs, um, 
nursing assistants and radiologists, any, any other health provider, learn how to deal with their older patients. Because this was really new back then, and they didn't have a clue um, on what, you know, the different things they had to take into consideration in working with. So I love doing that. And I, I love teaching, always have, and speaking. So that was great. And I began doing a lot of that and ended up learning how to write grants. That was one of the new things I learned there. But after, by the end, by the last few years of that 17 year stay, I began to realize that you know, I'd made a, the associate professor. I started out as assistant and then I got promoted. But I realized that I don't really, I don't want to spend all of my time having to research, write grants and write articles. You know, it was getting tougher and tougher there. And I just thought, I don't want to do that. I could, but I really want to be where I'm working with people more. Mm-hmm. on the outside, in the communities. And that's when I um, decided it was time to leave. I had this real strong nudge that I really needed to try something new. And I'd gotten into spiritual direction. I was a spiritual director, but also I, that's when I started working on coaching. I became certified in coaching. Um, and then a little bit later on the conflict issue, because I realized, gosh, that was a big area for many, there's still so many clergy that have no clue how to deal with that. Um, and then I also was really excited about healing touch and I became certified in that. So I just started branching out, but realized I wanted to figure out a way to pull them all together. Mm-hmm. And so once I, you know, in the geriatric part, the gerontology part, I'm still fascinated with and have even thought about working some. Uh, as far as helping providers, again, know, uh, and family members know what to do when their parents begin to age. Mm -hmm. Because that's, uh, my mother died at 95, and uh, my husband's mother died at almost 90, and our dads died earlier, you know, 60s and 70s. But um, there's a lot to know and a lot to learn when you're having to to deal with your parents. So, you know, there's all kinds of different directions I could go in. And the one area though, that I've been fascinated with and really want to help is in, is working with professional women mm-hmm. because I know what they're, I know the issues out there because yes, I do. I've been through them and I know, and even, you know, even now I've had younger ones say, well, I don't see any discrimination, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, because it's a little, it's a little more hidden, yeah. but it comes out, and, and I know exactly where it comes out. <laughs> Just give me a situation, and I'll tell you whether it's discrimination or not. Right. Um, and so that, yeah, I really want to help women. Um, and I really do want to, when you said I was, I was part of a movement, I, that's been a dream is to be, is to start a movement where women are encouraged to find their creativity, to find their strength and their power and to begin to stand up in that and work with each other and help one another to where we can really make a difference. Cause I believe women are needed so much now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. So when you say there's so much I want to say, but um, when you say that you want to help women, is there a certain 
part that they are in their career? Well, I think it would be, well, it actually can be women young, you know, like in their probably 30s, I would think, um, possibly. It could be a little younger, depending, but, you know, their 30s and all the way up, you know, to, shoot, 50 or 60. But women who just want to go to that next level, and that next level could be different for every woman. Um, maybe it's they want to try something new, or maybe they want to get promoted within their um, business, wherever they are, in a corporate, a corporation or a small business or a medium-sized business, or maybe they just want to, you know, they, they've succeeded there, but they also would like to be put on boards, you know, be a part of boards and different things, getting them um, even more experience to where it would help them maybe even hit that C-suite. So, yeah, I, I believe it's for women who, for me anyway, I just want to help women who are wanting to reach their next level. Yeah. Well, I mean, you are this amazing example, like we were saying in the very beginning, like you literally, you did start a movement. You were put into a position in your early 20s mm -hmm. that you weren't accepted but you navigated your way through the system, learning how to, the whole thing with conflict resolution, the whole thing with how to be in the space, to hold your space and uh, be part of the community. I mean, this is just so many skills that you have and so many tools that you have in your tool belt that you could really help anybody at any point that they are and be able to see the bigger picture for them. Yeah, I think so. I really believe that. Um, and that I think that's why I keep, you know, I've been thinking about this for, you know, a few years and really became like within the last three years, two to three years, very serious on, okay, this is what I want to do. And that's in developing the program and figuring out what I wanted to include in it and to also just be able to yeah, to be there in any and help them in any situation they find themselves in. And I, I've been so excited doing it, and now I'm re I'm really ready to just launch it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what was I just going to say? I just got overwhelmed with thought. <laughs> oh my gosh! I want people listening. So again, I'm going to welcome the people here live. Thank you so much for being here. Any questions or comments, please feel free to put them into the chat. Um, but I want to put it out there to the listeners. Like, you know that feeling when you're ready to go to that next level. Meaning, and Patricia, tell me if this is kind of how you would define it. But it's like that next challenge. It's that feeling where either where you are in whatever it is, whether it's your um, something you've just been wanting to do, whether it's a hobby, whether it's your professional space, and you just like are itching to try something different. Right. Yeah. You just need to bump up to the next level to just, you know, you want to, you want to enhance your learning. You want to like expand your boundaries. Yeah. Like that's, that's what it means. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that, you know, is a, um, you see as a, a need to expand in any direction or in any way, that's, yeah, to me, that's your next level. Yeah. So tell me about the, um, the publishing house. Oh, also. yeah. Um, well, I started that last year and I really enjoyed the, I have one book out right now and I'd put the, 
I'm getting ready to gear up to um, launch another book. But right, the first book is called Aspire, Women Finding Their Purpose. And I have oh, 20 wonderful authors are in that book. And it's available on Amazon. It's real easy to find. And it's just a great collection. I mean, they have, have the most amazing experiences, all of them different. Um, and it was it was a joy to do that. And so I want to do another one. And I'm trying right now, I'm working on a title for something that would capture the program I'm wanting, I'm launching, and the women I'm wanting to help in the in the Arise program. So but yeah, I love doing it. And it was fun getting them and we got to know getting them together and we got to know each other and it was a wonderful experience. It's the beauty of a multi-author space, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice. Um, I just, yeah, I'm a part of a couple of books, one for sure um, called leadership women in business. Um, I can't remember the subtitle, but it's, it's called leadership and women. Let's see. I'll think of it in a minute, but it's, and it happened two or three years ago. So my mind's kind of drawn a blank, but I love it. It's a great book too. And it's being a part of a multi-author book was fun. And then now being able to develop those multi-author books is even a one better, even a greater challenge. I love it. Yeah. It's like going back to that, uh, going back to community, bringing yeah. people together, um, for the same purpose, but yet everybody has a different perspective uh, and story to add to it, a different angle, a different slant. And um, I just love bringing together a book that's that's like that where people can kind of dabble through and be like, ooh, that had like a nice feel to it. Ooh, that one's a little different and same topic, but totally different kind of twists. Oh yeah, that's what makes it fun. Yeah, it really does. Okay, so let's go into the next part, which is finding out more about how you incorporate more creativity into your own life, both personally and, you know, we've been talking about what you've been doing work-wise, but what else do you do, you do for yourself creatively? Well, let's see. Um, well, I have started, um, I mean, I, I began having an interest in areas like uh, knitting. I learned how to knit. Um, and, and weaving, that's my one area that I've, I really want, I'm learn I've learned a lot, but I need to learn more to be able to weave. I have a loom and, um, I have a spinning wheel and those are, you know, that's always fun because I have to learn something new and it challenges and it expands my creativity there. Um, and you know, I think, I don't know if this, this really is part of creativity, but I love being around animals. I love animals. And mm -hmm. so we have three dogs, a rabbit and four ducks. And I'm, I love my ducks. Um, I love all my animals, but I love my ducks. I mean, they're just the most fascinating creatures and I've named them all. And they, I used to have, gosh, a lot more. We've, we had some issues with hawks and, fo and foxes and, mm. So we've lost several, but um, I have four now. Two are young. They're only not even six months old, maybe six months now. One of them's two, and one of them is going on 12. Wow. And I had a 13-year-old and a 12-year-old, and they just died this year. So that was hard. Mm -hmm. um, 
but they live a long time. They can live a really long time. And so they're just fun. Their their interactions with each other. I learn a lot, I learn a lot just by watching them. Um, and they're they're so cute. And you can get them to do, you know, I baby them. You know, I rock them and sing to them when they're babies. <laughs> I mean, it's like, Wait, to the ducks? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So mm-hmm. I put them on my shoulder and they just lay there. And, and I always sing one. I, I don't sing as much as I hum. And there's a, a song I really like. And so I, I hum that same song to all of them, all of the ducks I've ever had. And I've had lots. Um, and I will hum that. And whenever I am outside and I hum it loud enough, they pay attention. You know, they get quiet and they calm down if they're being rowdy. And, they, you know, and it makes them respond like if i if i don't see them i can go out and begin humming that or just start talking to them and they'll start quacking to let me know where they are i mean they're amazing little creatures um but i love it i know people probably think that's crazy but for me they're my babies you know and they're just really one beautiful creatures they are um and just to watch the male and his behavior um, around the, he's so protective Mm -hmm. and he will get between me and the females every time, Mm -hmm. every time I go out there, he's, and he'll talk to them and they start walking away because he doesn't want them. (laughs) He doesn't want them around me. He wants to have them behind him. So it's not just when they're pregnant that he's being protective. He's protective at all times. All the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even even as they know you more, he's still protective. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I babied him, too. I mean, I rocked him, too. So he's, you know, and he he remembers the song. I mean, he'll listen. But it's just that instinct with the ma- the males that it doesn't matter how close you are, I don't think, because he'll, he gets in. He doesn't fight. He just gets in between mm-hmm. to let you know that, you know, that's his territory. <laughs> and the yeah. group, there he is. <laughs> but I think it's a really good point to bring up. And I love that you brought up about the animals because I think animals bring down, you know, they just calm us. Oh, they do. And yeah. get us to a space where we can be more centered. And I know that when I find myself getting like stuck on something or I'm just kind of like, oh, how's I have to walk away? Go pet the cats. I got yeah. <laughs> Go be with the cats, you know, go walk in nature. But the animals, because they just love you regardless. I mean, they're just just amazing creatures. It is so, it's basic unconditional love. I mean, it's just, it's pure. And they do love you. I mean, they really, you know, like the rat, I mean, our little rabbit and then, you know, our dogs. I mean, yeah, I'm the same way. If I'm frustrated or anxious that I have to be around the animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it brings down your blood pressure. And I just, um, I think that's also a very interesting point that you just said about the male. It's kind of, I I think it's like knowing our roles. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's so often people will, like if you want to put it in terms of humans, people will start to put their guard down when you get to a certain point. And that's the whole thing of meeting people where they are. But a lot of times there's a guard and there's a protectiveness either of themselves or of the people that they feel like they need to protect. Yeah. Actually, oh, that's, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And they'll, they'll put up a wall when they feel like 
they're being, you know, that the boundaries are being blurred and they don't like that. Yeah. It's funny because my um, my son has always been so I've predominantly worked in in, you know, underserved communities. And I'm just used to going into spaces that just not it just is, you know, I don't feel threatened. I don't feel. And my son, who's grown up in these spaces and has friends in these spaces on that he's made on his own through different circumstances. Still, every time he'll give me direction, make sure you put up your window, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. Why are you doing that? I'm like, babe, I'm, I'm good. Like, I appreciate you. I really do. But I've been doing this for 30 years. Like, I'm not dumb. <laughs> but there like, is that yeah you're right <laughs> like i'm not like i'm not gonna go up to complete strangers and just be like hey you know what i, I, I kind of know my boundaries in in certain circumstances sometimes but yeah but it's just yeah. interesting there's that protectiveness that just automatically comes up it do, yeah it does i mean our our son now will if we're having like we had some snow and our power would go out a lot. It still does, but we now have a generator. So when we start, we're going to get another snow, like a week ago, he was, he texted us and, and before we could even, he was texting us, do you have enough gas for your, for your generator? And before we could even answer him, he was at the front door. He had brought us five gallons of gas. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I thought that was so sweet. Um, that is. But, but yeah, I mean, it's that I want to make sure you're okay, that you have everything. Um, and he does that to me too. And my husband, of course, is that comes out in him too. Like, be careful when you go. You, uh, if I go somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that protectiveness just is instinct. Yeah, it is instinct. And before I ask you this other question, I first want to acknowledge and say happy birthday to your son because it's coming up soon. How do you? Yeah, it is. February you, said fe you said February. February what? 10th. Oh, yeah, my son is February 1st. Oh, all right. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> so two Aquariuses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you about the knitting and the weaving. So uh, the knitting, you said, is is that a more recent thing that you learned? I started learning that a while back, several years ago. Okay. Um, it's actually when I was in the, the classes for spiritual direction, a woman in the class helped taught a bunch of us how to knit. And so I started doing that several years ago. And I still have a long way to go. I mean, I learn slowly. So I just learn, learn little bits at a time. But um, I'm getting there to where I can actually understand the pattern, <laughs> which is a biggie for me. Um, and then the weaving is a is little bit newer. Yeah. I have I have a rigid head of loom. So I've learned how to um, war have, I understand the warping and the weft and all this different stuff. So I've learned how to do that. Um, it's just a matter of finding the time, but every once in a while I'll just sit down and that that's relaxing too. Mm. That this, and gardening. Yeah. Oh, and gardening too. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. There's something there. There's that, especially in the weaving, I can say that repetition of the over, under, over, under. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You just, you kind of get into that and you're, that's, you're totally present with it. Yeah. You yeah. Can, if you start thinking about a lot of other things, you're not going to, you know, you're going to miss something mm. and make some mistake. It's funny. Uh, in the classroom, 
I would do weaving as young as young as first grade. And um, I found, interestingly enough, that around fifth grade or so, there were so many boys that were interested in it. Um, and it really did, especially the boys that were um, uh, ADD. Oh. First, there was frustration. But once they got it, and visually could make the connection because often it was like, you know, skipping over three and then twisting it around and getting it. But once they got the repetition of the over, under, over, under, and then like you're swimming <laughs> against the pool and then you make the flip. Once you realize how to make the flip back and the weaving yeah, and kind of do the opposite, then they get into a rhythm and they get really calm. Yeah. that's a, I hadn't thought about that. That would be calming to ADD. Wow. But it's yeah. a process. It is to, to get there. <laughs> it's very frustrating in the beginning. Um, and sometimes I, you know, I just go, Oh, to heck with it. I give up. But then I go back when I'm rested and it's like, Oh, I get it now. And then I can pick it back up. But yeah, I mean, I think I used it a lot. In fact, I find in my, um, I did a lot of retreats um, with women and I've done, you know, a lot of different kinds of events and I would all, and even in my teaching, I would use weaving as an example for how everything is interconnected mm-hmm. and that the, when it's inner, when it's woven together, it's stronger than it is when it's separate threads. And so I've used it in the illustrations for lots of different things, but it was funny because the men, I taught this class of um, men and women They most of them were in middle age they were ministry was as a second career, and I was teaching about um, the you know the social issues and some of the different areas that they needed to be aware of and um, self improvement. It's a lot of different things, but I tried doing a little exercise, and the the older men resisted. They weren't real impressed in the beginning, but with the weaving, it was a small little weaving thing that they had to do real simple but then they kind of most of the majority got into it it's mm. like you said, it's kind of like after the frustration and realizing oh we could do that too <laughs> and then they, yeah but I think it really does send a, a really beautiful lesson of how life is that way yeah I love that you said that it really is about like the woven the threads and that it's together it's str- that together it creates stronger it's a bond and it's yeah so many ways that you can use that. And it's so true. You can't, one thread doesn't exist on its own to make a whole weaving. Right. I mean, you have to have several threads and you have to have them interlocking with each Mm -hmm. other. They can't be just in a bundle. They have to really be woven, which is just, to me, it's just a fascinating way to look at a lot of different, you know, whether it's life in general or specific issues or, you know, you can use it in team building. Um, yeah, just, I mean, I think that probably corporations would do well to have some weaving issues, (laughs) weaving with some of their team members just to build, it builds teams. There we go, Patricia. That would be, I've actually seen it in, um, it was either Montessori or Reggio, um, which for anybody who doesn't know, they're both, I mean, Montessori is known more, um, uh, for schooling for, um, well, it doesn't have to be just younger kids, but, uh, Reggio is based out of Italy. And have you ever heard of it? Reggio Emilia? No. What is that now? So it's basically a way of teaching, um, that, uh, is generally for pre-K to maybe second grade. 
And it's very much based on, it's very hands-on and very much based on following what the kids are interested in. So there's a structure, but like if they're studying animals, there's a lot of exploration of um, reading books about animals and writing about animals and building animals out of all different materials and going and seeing animals and telling stories and all this kind of stuff. Like it's, it's an immersion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Into it. So I remember seeing an image of just in the space in this regial um, classroom, they had a big uh, loom set up and the kids, that would be one of the places they could go was they, there would be baskets of things that they could weave in. So they could just go over to the space and weave things in as they wanted to. Oh, I love that. And it looked really, really cool. Oh, I, well, you know, there was something I had so, a few years ago. Um, it was, I don't know if they still are out there, but it was called an earth loom. And you mm-hmm. could build one in your garden or in your yard. Mm-hmm. And you could do the same thing. You know, you could, you could weave in lavender flowers. Yeah. I mean, it was just, well, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. This idea of going when you want to go over and just weaving these things that aren't a traditional thing that you think of within a weaving. Like there could be ribbon, there could be, like you said, flowers, there could be lots of different things put into the space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. And I really enjoy what you said, too, about being present, uh, that if you start thinking about a lot of other things, and I think this relates to so many things, Mm-hmm. Um, you get off track. I know that working with clay, which is what I did um, in undergrad and have done a lot in my visual medium, um, when I don't predominantly work on the wheel, I mostly do hand building. But when I do work on the wheel, it's that whole, if if you're not present, if your arms aren't kind of like locked onto my legs, if my brain is thinking about what I'm going to be doing next, uh, then, I, then I can't get the clay centered. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. It just doesn't work, does it? Doesn't work because it's like because you're I'm not present. Yeah, you're not totally there, so it just kind of messes. Yeah, I could see that. It's I used to play in one of my workshops too. Just, the kind you could just, of course, not the wheel, but the mm-hmm. kind. And I had them make, and they really men and women loved clay. Yes, they really got into that. What did you have them build with it? Everybody loved, because a lot of people think 3D, 3D clay helps bring things to life in a much easier way. Um, drawing, painting is great, but it can be, um, you know, people get scared because they think immediately that they can't draw or paint. But clay is a three-dimensional, uh, yeah. you know, object that you and can I, form your ideas. Mainly they did, um, let's see, what was it? We, like, you know, there's little thumb bowls, like you could, Mm-hmm. A pinch pot. And you, yeah. And you start with that and make it bigger and bigger. They mainly did those and they would decorate them. And um, yeah, it was really cool. They came up with some neat ideas and designs. Yeah. Isn't it exciting? Especially when it starts with everybody's doing the same thing. Like you're showing, we're making a pinch pot, but not one pinch pot. Even if they just stop at the pinch pot and don't add color or any other designs to it, not one is the same that's, as yeah. anybody else's. That's true. Yeah, they're all different. It's like a snowflake. There's not two alike. Yeah. Of that. Yeah. It was funny. At one workshop I did, uh, 
years ago. Oh my God, we we're having people um, uh, make make something out of clay. I, we took it back to our studio, fired, brought it back, and at the beginning of every workshop, I'd say anybody have any bad experience with the material? And this guy's hand went up and he was in his forties or so. And he went back to like middle school. <laughs> he was like, every one of my pieces blew up. It was my teacher's fault. Da, 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 da. I'm like, Oh my God, this is a lot of pressure. <laughs> oh, that's Yeah, that is a lot of pressure. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're going to change that with this. That's right. It's not going to blow up. No. <laughs> Said many prayers, many prayers over that kiln. Oh, okay. this, this piece came out perfectly fine. So I was very oh. grateful. <laughs> and that was good. See, even in his forties, he was able to redo that experience. Kind of yeah. better reframe it. That's good. Reframe. And that's what happens, right? I mean, what is your what is your take on this? Is in order to move to the next level, it's it's releasing those things that we're holding on to. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I think, you know, inside it could be releasing negative my those limiting beliefs that we often have or the the thoughts that sabotage us whenever we're wanting to try something new um, and the, the fear that sets in and we decide we just, we're just staying in our comfort zone. It's easier. Um, and it's having to release all of that to move forward. So there's going to be a little bit of discomfort, but it's well worth reaching the next level. So tell me what earlier you mentioned that you get a nudge. Like, an, what does a nudge feel like to you? Um, I always called it a God nudge. I, I think it's because everything I do, I want it to be about helping people. So, you know, my, the re, that's the re, when I entered ministry, it was because I, that's what I felt called to do. And whenever I would get this, um, sometimes I wasn't even conscious of it in the very beginning, but I would notice when it was time for me to move on to something different, I would begin to pull back off of what I was doing at that particular time. So um, the best example is when I was in the medical school and, you know, when you write grants, you're supposed to have oh, several going in at one time. You can't just write one grant because chances of it getting funded aren't always high. So you have to, put a bunch out there. Well, and I did most of the time I was there, but I remember telling my husband, I said, well, I, I could be in trouble. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I've only got one grant in. And he goes, don't you usually have four or five? Yeah. Why do you only have one? Cause I don't want to write another one. <laughs> and I, and it, it just talk, saying that to him, it made me realize you shouldn't, you need to move on. It's time for you to go into a new direction, you know, and a new way of reaching out and working with people. And that's when I left and began doing the coaching, you know, and getting certified and learning how to do all of that. So, you know, and when I went from the church to the medical center and then actually I came back to little, I served small churches up to about two years ago, um, okay. uh, part-time because they couldn't afford a full time. And this way, you know, I didn't need their health insurance. I, they didn't have to worry about that. Um, and so I was able to, to pass. But what I found out and everyone finds out is that 
in doing a small church, you're going to, you have to do the same thing as you do in large churches. Um, you still preach every Sunday. You still do, you know, you're responsible for the activities and all of that kind of stuff. So I realized, and then the, and the main reason I left that two years ago was because I really wanted to be full time in doing the coaching and the consulting and the working with professional women. Mm-hmm. And that was pulling very strongly. And I realized I was backing off again. I mean, that's my sign. It, I don't notice it immediately, but then I'll begin to say, Oh, I'm really not wanting to do this stuff. You know, really not wanting, you know, I'm late doing things or I'm pulling back. Then I know that it's a nudge and I have to move on to what I'm, really passionate about. Yeah. Again, it's so great that you are listening to it and listeners realize what your nudge is and pay attention to it. Don't ignore it. We can spend so much time ignoring things and it's just not going to serve because you're not going to be happy. That's true. You know, and it's, um, and you'll know, I mean, it's, it's different for everyone. And, and I think deep down, you'll know because it's like, Oh, I'm really not putting everything I have into it. I'm really not passionate. And when you lose the passion and you lose that excitement and energy in what you're doing, then it's time to move to something else, to reach, to go for the next level or go in another direction. Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. So we're wrapping it up with the third and final question, which is what we've touched on, but how, or why do you think creativity is important? I, you know, to me, if, if, if you're not trying new things, if you're not trying to see things in a different way, or if you're not trying to create uh, whatever that is within your own life, then I think you become complacent. Um, for me, I would, that would be me. I would get too, com- I would be too complacent, too, um, and probably really bored and not fulfilled. I would not be happy. Um, I think it's, you always want to be creating new things within your life. It can be little things, but trying new things, challenging yourself, going out there, being a little uncomfortable in the very beginning. And I mean, when I first started speaking, I hated speaking. When I took speaking classes in high school, I hated it. Um, I was very shy, extremely shy. Um, and then I began to, I don't know, I just started, when I was passionate about what I was talking about, I noticed I loved it and I was energized by it. And the more I did it, the more I loved it. So, I mean, I've, that's what I've been doing for years is speaking in different in different areas, you know, preaching was one kind of speaking. I did scientific, you know, presentations when I'd go to national meetings in the area of gerontology. Um, you know, I did all kinds of different speaking, but what I love to do is anytime I'm speaking about something I'm passionate about, that's where my energy is. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And yes, yeah, totally understand the shy thing. It, it's exactly like that. Um, but as the years have gone on and basically summing it up, just like you said, in finding what I'm passionate about when it's something that's more important than me, yeah. that's more important than Hollis. It's it's for the greater 
it's the message that I feel is hoping to serve and uplift the greater good, then that's when it's like, okay, this, this is just, this feels good. Yeah. Put the, put the shy away. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Move it to the side. I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. I can do this. Oh my God. So Patricia, we are at the top of the hour. So please let people know how they can find you. Yeah. Um, I would, let's see, the best way is, is probably email or LinkedIn. You can, um, my LinkedIn profile, if you just go to Patricia Suggs, K Suggs, and I'm um, in the letter K, it's, it's just Patricia K Suggs. And my profile will give a little more about me, but it also gives you how to get in touch with me. Or if you just want to um, email or go to Facebook, I'm there too. But email is Patricia at Patricia, let's see, Patricia at pksuggscoaching.net. That's my business email. Mm -hmm. and, so is, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and that's, that's the best way. So do you have your next level program out now? Is this something that they could find out about? Oh yeah. I can send information now. Yeah. I'm starting to, um, put things out there and publicize it. And that will, it will be in LinkedIn as well as probably some Facebook, but I can also, if they email me, I can send them materials. Wonderful. So before we say goodbye and do our closing, um, is there any final words that you feel like you want to impart anything you forgot to say or want to add? Yeah, I talked a lot, didn't I? <laughs> it's a good thing. That was the whole point. Um, I just think, you know, it's, I just encourage um, everyone, men and women, but, but right now women to just really step into your strengths and your, and find the courage to be, you know, to step out and demonstrate your strengths and your gifts and talents because you have many um, and learn how to do that. So you can be part of the change that the world needs at this time. And it can be small or big. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Be part of the change. Yeah, absolutely. Patricia, thanks for hanging out for this hour and chatting. I love talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was great. So much fun. And I want to thank our listeners who joined us live and our listener now from Saudi Arabia. Welcome. Welcome. So cool. Let us know before um, I say all the goodbyes and everything in the chat, what time it is there. Um, would love to know what the time, I'm not sure what the time difference is. Oh yeah. Me neither. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. So leading into the closing, I am just so grateful for uh, my guests. I am so grateful for people here live, people joining uh, the replay. This space is all about inspiring each other, connecting and sharing stories and lifting each other up. I believe we've always needed this, but we need it now more than ever. So please like, follow, share, give the um, give some feedback. You know how it helps with the whole analytics and lifting all that up. So uh, everybody can, it can have a wider reach. So I'm just truly, truly grateful. And it's 4 a.m. So wow. Okay. Quite early in the morning. So either have a wonderful start to your day or go back to sleep, whichever yeah, it right. is. <laughs> so, but we appreciate you being here and we wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, and look forward to talking to you again soon. So goodbye, everybody.
Talk to you later, hopefully soon. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Feeling inspired? There are so many ways to do things for you, to get yourself moving, to get your creative juices flowing, and to have fun. Check out I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing. Go to IamCreativePhilly.com. I am creative Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And check out the experiential kits. Check out Creative Shui, which is all about creative inspiration and guidance. And for Express Yourself Publishing, there's so many multi-author book opportunities. So I would love to chat with you so much. Everybody has, everybody's creative. Everybody has a voice, everybody has an expression, and I can't wait to meet you. Thank you so much for taking this hour to listen to our stories and share the energy, and I wish you a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in this world. Bye, everybody.